Well, happy Thanksgiving, Wyatt. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Jake. I thought, um, given the uniqueness of the day... Oh, not the right video. <laughs> we could do this. <laughs> That's right. Just <laughs> get to the chorus. Blast by the chorus. Reunited and it feels so good. Time in the lyrics. Reunited cause we understood. It's perfect fit. If it's sugar, this one is it. I don't know. Both are so excited cause we're reunited. Hey, hey. So. So yeah, we're in the same room right now. We're that's back pretty cool. In the same and that's room. what I'm thankful for this year. I'm Wyatt. also super thankful for that. Uh, Jake flew all the way back to New Hampshire just to record this episode. And I'm leaving as soon as we're done. <laughs> There's a plane idling outside. <laughs> I told him he could turn it off. He's like, no, no, it's, I'm just gonna. It's more fuel efficient. Yeah. So yeah, because in the United States, uh, the day this podcast uh, episode, the, 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 hmm, the day this episode comes out is. Thanksgiving, we are kind of going for that in a general way is the yes, theme of this particular yes. episode. Thanksgiving pretty much limits our topics down to only a handful, so I'm sure whatever we've picked uh, will be extremely predictable. Or you the exact same stories, who yeah, knows? Maybe. <laughs> Could be. Um, yeah, we tried this once a few years ago, because we release on Thursdays, and Thanksgiving is always, what, the third Thursday of November or something like that? Something so, like that. Actually, I think last year actually, we didn't bother. Fourth. fourth, okay, never yeah. mind. Uh, we did not bother to do anything Thanksgiving themed last year. Maybe we t- you were probably doing every other uh, week last week last year because you were in Australia. That's right. That's right. I left right after Thanksgiving for Australia. That's right. Yeah. So last year we didn't do it. The year before we did some just like vaguely family related stories. <laughs> um, that's how we right. ended up getting. Uh, that's right. Yeah, the the um, the family like the guy who apparently killed his family and then disappeared. The Frenchman. Yeah, and then I, and then I got spooky, uh, yeah. Jeff the mongoose finally right. came into our lives, which was that's right. a wonderful thing. We will have an announcement about Jeff fairly soon. Ooh. Just not quite yet. Oh boy! A quick update from my end before we dive in. As yeah, well. go for it. Um, I just got back from the Entomological Society of America meeting. Mm. It was a great conference, but I mentioned during the last episode that my paper would be out pretty much on the day mm-hmm. or basically this pat this wednesday of last week when this comes out yeah it in fact came out yesterday as far uh-huh. as when, as you know as when <laughs> as far as time goes <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> uh, i promise i spoke just as well during my talk uh-huh. um yeah no the uh, paper should be out now so if anyone out there is into behavioral ecology of and small has access bees. to the royal society yeah and proceedings of the royal society institutional bee. access yeah uh you can finally sink your brain into that sweet sweet meat i will put a link in both this episode and last week's episode since we mentioned it both times oh yeah and they'll be able to listen to it and love it uh with that i said, mean read it what am i god it's okay it's catching we're just <laughs> we too excited be we should be better about this now that we're in the same place not worse that's right so, yeah, is that it for your updates? That's it for me. Cool, because I got some updates, too. Ooh, lay them. But not just any updates. Damn. These are updates on the Phantom <gasps> of the Chicago. Oh. Enter music cue here. <laughs> and music cue <laughs> Um, The Phantom <laughs> of the Chicago refers to sightings of these weird humanoid giant bat creatures flying around the greater chicago area over the course of the past several years specifically picking up in 2017 but really i guess since then big bat glowing red eyes 
uh probably not real <laughs> and a lot a lot a lot of these stories have been channeled specifically through lawn strickler phantoms and monsters.com who we mentioned a lot more, or i mentioned a lot i guess um yeah shut up about it jake <laughs> jesus um well swear he's he's the one who's really following the story the most and so that's the reason i subscribe to his uh newsletter and is by to this get point more it's of these canon, so even if they're not necessarily yeah uh, seriously um you know. We're so just going to do it. There are several members who are working on the team who are doing this particular thing. The also, team? Yeah, the, so they refer to themselves as a task force, actually. Oh. So this first story I have comes from Manuel Navarrete of UFO Clearinghouse. Oh, my God. Which we never just gets, got, They've got to go. <laughs> never gets old saying the name of that site. Um, None of them are identified. Yeah. All so, of them fly. <laughs> here is the... Here is the account as it appeared in his website, minus all of the little details that make it sound like an official report because I just thought it was obnoxious. Time, mm-hmm. place, all this stuff just making it oh, just too, so, too much. Yeah. Um, Drama. I was sitting in my car awaiting my next Uber slash Lyft call. I was parked on the side of the road near Toll Booth Plaza 31. It's a spot many drivers share. Uh, many share drivers like to park to be close to the O'Hare terminals, which allows us to pick up rides from the airport. O'Hare. As I was sitting there, <laughs> fiddling around my car, I saw something walk out of the trees. It was a tall creature, about six to seven feet tall and kind of hunched over. Hmm. It walked with a sort of gait like almost a waddle. Could it was completely me. black when it's um it was completely black. When it swiveled its head, I saw two bright red eyes glowing. Hmm. This thing opened a pair of large wings as wide as it was tall and began to flap them. It took off and headed to the south toward the large indoor driving range and the baseball park. It was hmm. gone in a few seconds. Hmm. That's the first account. There was mm-hmm. some follow-up. Actually, I think Lon called the guy, or maybe this is a different one. Hmm. They had some follow-up stuff, um, but I don't care. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do an update on the Phantom of the Chicago without actually doing a story from Phantoms and Monsters. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like he might owe us ad money at this point, the amount I talk about it. But, I know. We promo his shit hard. Uh, and then kind of uh roast it pretty hard too so maybe yeah hopefully everyone understands that yeah we uh take it with a shaker or two of salt yes um so the following encounter uh the following encounter account was posted on reddit on september 29th 2019 i followed up with the witness and recently talked to her by telephone okay this is the one he followed up on yeah this is what the person said on reddit i'm so happy i stumbled onto this sub this happened two days ago and i'm still so confused i was driving home from work on a bright sunny day i got about a mile from my house I live in a wooded area on northern Illinois, about an hour outside of Chicago. Mm. As I'm making my way down an unoccupied street, this creature runs in front of my car, about two car lengths in front of my car. Oh, shit. It was definitely a bat creature of some sort. I could clearly make out the shape of bat wings, but it wasn't flying. It was running like a gorilla. Uh, it would extend its wings out in front of itself and push itself forward, just like a gorilla does when it runs at full force. What? This, this is a new one for sure in terms of descriptions go. Wow. This thing was also so black, it looked almost flat, and it was huge. I guess I mean, like, you know, you couldn't see texture or anything. It was so dark as to not even really be reflecting that light. It's mm-hmm. mu- that much light. Like it was painted with Vanta Black, perhaps. Vanta Black? Vanta Black. The darkest. The darkest black available. Yes. It's actually like privately licensed or whatever yeah, <laughs> like yeah you, you can't, can't just, just get it commercially it. and it um, absorbs like 99 point something percent of all light so it, it's kind of like <laughs> if like you could make a black hole yeah. Of, yeah yeah um, it's amazing it was at least half the size of my dog who was a 70 pound pit bull uh, boxer mix at least half the size uh yes so at least 35 pounds hmm. i guess Smaller in their setting. estimation 
I tried to search for giant bats in the area, and I found some sightings of giant bats flying over Chicago over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Also found some references to the Mothman and the Jersey Devil, but I don't think this thing was as big as a man. And none of the stories I've read mention these giant bats running. However, I did learn that vampire bats are the only species of bat that run. And based on videos of vampire bats running, the creature moves in a very similar manner. Mm. So now I'm nervous about letting my dog go out alone. <laughs> Any theories are appreciated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a, a new take on Where the they were in Michigan? Uh, no, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois, okay. About an hour outside of Chicago. Wow. A baby phantom of the Chicago? I guess, just zooming along on the ground. Yes, running like a gorilla, like bats so often do. Yeah. I guess it could be said that the vampire bat does that somewhat. Yeah, it can scuttle along fairly well. Scuttle. But for there to be a giant bat, I mean, so, okay, cool, sounds like how a bat moves, sure. But, like, is there a giant bat running across the road in Chicago? I don't think there is highly doubtful but unless maybe there's wonder a, what it could be that these people are yeah, seeing as far right. as other explanations if it was so dark looking as to be almost looking like Fanta almost black. flat yeah not to be confused with Fanta black which is a oh, a, a weird uh soda kind of promo thing for halloween that did not work out well <laughs> if she wasn't able to see it that well then maybe it was maybe it probably leaves room for um, confusion with what she did see. Maybe it didn't look quite the way she yes. thought. It was hard to if see. If it was that dark and that perhaps flat in structure, I would hesitate but wager to say it could have been a shadow. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> or one of those uh, stick figure things we talked about a while back. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Russian <laughs> stick man things or whatever. Were they Russian? Uh, they're all over the place, I think. They're everywhere, eh? Yeah. All right, they just clamber Truly around. Bizarre. I don't remember what episode number that was, but it was among the goofiest things I've ever read about, it, and it's truly apparently ridiculous. pretty widespread. Anyway, I, I digress. Any of our listeners in Chicago who want to do some more digging in, we would love to know more about what you what you may have seen that may have looked like this Please that isn't do. actually this. Um, Submit that. We know of at least two people who would be very useful in this instance. Uh, Jonathan, if you if you have any yes. insight of what could be running across the road yes, friend of that the would show. look that way, we would be happy to hear from you. And yeah, very much. Uh, obviously, the fire killer. So that's my um, Yeah, where's my the fire update. killer? <laughs> we need to burn more trash and drugs <laughs> to summon him back or her. Um, but probably him. Uh, Sean Wayne, Kulisuskis, Sean Wayne. biggest dick guy. I believe it's a him. BDG. Yeah. <laughs> The other book by Sean Carroll or whatever. Not Sean Carroll. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> Lewis Carroll, right? No. Did he wrote the BFG? Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. <laughs> I haven't been a kid in so long. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So anyway, that's my update on that. Very cool. Yeah. Well, it's an even episode, meaning I guess, do you start? Oh, I guess I do. Sorry, you guys have to listen to even more of me now. All right. Ugh. No break from that just yet. So my Thanksgiving stories, Um, yeah, loosely tried to get that in there. Which I ended up ultimately doing. I've yeah, there's been a lot going on this week. What with travel and uh, not sleeping. But I'm sure it's going to be extremely relevant to Thanksgiving. I went into the paranormal subreddit and I searched Thanksgiving. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and sorted by uh, top rated to see what I could find, and I found some stories <laughs> that way. <laughs> Oh, Jake. Otherwise known as the dumbest research I've perhaps ever done. I see you've also brought it in, scribbled across what looks to be an entire roll of (laughs) paper towels. Yes. I was going to say scribbled on a turkey, but... (laughs) Scribbled on a turkey? (laughs) I wanted to make it relevant. (laughs) All right. Paper towels could be used at Thanksgiving. That's true. Uh, So this is one from Redditor Oscar the Twin. 
Okay. So, so I've told this story just to a few friends, but I either get laughs because they don't believe me or they're just as creeped out as I was when the incident happened. So one night on Thanksgiving when I was about 10 years old, I'm 23 now, my cousin, we'll call him Chris, my bro Arf, and our old friend Arf. David, I wish I could make, I was it making this Art? up. Arf. A-R-F. Arf. Um, and short our old for, friend. Short for Arfer? Arfer. <laughs> Arf, follow me, I think. Arf, follow me. That's more of a Spaceballs reference. Uh, oh, boy. And our friend David decided to play a good game of hide-and-seek in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We're all the same age, and we would often play outside because we just wanted to get away from all the adult stuff, like taxes and stuff. Uh, we'd also get yeah. a few kicks out of hiding in the neighborhood after dark. We set boundaries, and we had one main rule. You cannot hide in the house. Mm. It was often broken, but we would always set it anyways. Arf and David were the hiders, and Chris and I were the seekers. More than one seeker? My goodness. Uh, we counted to 100. Yeah, and then, um, it's very hardcore, kind of to all the way to 100. Yeah. Um, and then we're off to find them. About 15 minutes passed by, and we couldn't find them. Then 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Oh, no. Not a sign of them anywhere. Me and Chris were a bit concerned at this point, considering it had been too long since we'd seen them. We started to yell, Arf, David, come out. <laughs> we're not playing anymore. <laughs> I, I, That's just so ridiculous. Yeah, if they're using a pseudonym for at least one of these people... What? Um, if, I have to look up whether Arf is even a name. name. It could be the nickname they used for him. I don't know, but um, of baby, Arf name of baby. Oh, it's Arabic. It's an Arabic name for boys and girls that means scent or good scent. Huh. That's cool. I now retract all of my insensitive joking. Yes, we Although are. Although in good. another way, in a truer way, that it was sensitive joking. Boo. Uh, uh, <laughs> I see myself as the door. <laughs> go on, go on. Uh, please, please. Me and Chris were a bit concerned. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're no longer, we're not playing anymore. No answer. Went in the house, checked all the rooms. Nothing but adults eating, laughing, and having a normal Thanksgiving. See, it took place on Thanksgiving. Oh, tying it all together. Tied it right in. No, I mean, this is so far <laughs> the most Thanksgiving. The most Thanksgiving thing ever. <laughs> At least so far this episode. I was going to say. Uh, Chris and I went out to the front and started to say that we should get an adult out here and let them know what's going on. How old were they at the time? Ten. Ten. Oh, wow. We didn't want to alert the whole party by telling them we couldn't find Arf and David, so we somehow got David's dad to come outside to the front lawn and see if he can help spot them in the distance or something. Binoculars Using his something, three yeah. feet of greater height than them. Yeah. You can see over the horizon further <laughs> yeah. than they can. So we went out to the edge of the driveway with David's dad, and he suddenly yells, Hey, I think that's your brother. My cousin and I look, and we see my brother running down the sidewalk away from us. Well, David's dad stays on the edge of the side uh, of the driveway. Chris and I start running after him, yelling that we give up and we're not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. We weren't catching up to him, but we weren't far. We were about 10 feet away from him. We see him run and hide behind a pair of palm trees that was in the corner of one of the houses mm. down, the, uh, down the block. Mm-hmm. We finally felt we had him cornered. Chris goes to his, uh, the right side and I take left. We knew that um, we knew at that second we had him. That was until we checked behind the tree. No one was there. Oh, no. Chris and I looked at each other dumbfounded because the only way he could have been able to escape was either through us or over a six-foot fence that was on a hill. And we knew that was impossible because we would have seen or heard him. My cousin and I started to walk back immediately and met David's dad at the edge of the driveway. David's dad automatically says, you guys saw that, right? And we said, of course, we were chasing after him. He says, okay, because Arf and David are inside the house. 
What? We went back inside the house and nobody believed a word we said, even with David's dad saying he saw that this kid as well. Wow. Our brother swears that it was not him and that he and David were inside the house spying on us from the inside the whole time. Oh, they broke the rule. Oh. Uh, something that always runs through my mind when I think of the story is the fact that it wasn't my brother or, or our friend David. That when Chris and I were chasing after him, I remember feeling like, like I wasn't running as fast as I could and that we um, would have... Ha- Running as fast as I could, and what would have happened if I caught up to this guy or kid or whatever it was? What would have happened then? I can't help but think that this was some kind of paranormal event. Mm-hmm. But whenever my cousin and I talk about the story, we call that person the Red Man because of the red shirt he was wearing, just like my brother was that Thanksgiving night. You could pick a, you could say the guy wearing a red shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they're um, probably fans of the Wu Tang, <laughs> so that must be why they yes, want that. That's route. true. So that's my first Thanksgiving tale, where they saw something. That confused them and weird disappearance. People talk about doppelgangers and stuff. We could probably talk about doppelgangers on an episode sometime. But I mean, honestly, this is exactly for Thanksgiving because I think when the Native Americans and the Pilgrims arrived, they were also <laughs> they saw all people arrived that they together did not. in the same van. <laughs> yes, they arrived at the, the uh, long the kind table of on which they would have a meal because they both. That's the first thing they did when they, they got here. together. <laughs> the pilgrims, I mean, and they played hide and seek. They, uh, yeah, they did no not know. To hide they did not recognize who they saw. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. Um, so here's one from redditor the underscore spiraline or spiraline or spiraline. I don't know how you say it. I usually I see that and think of spirulina, spiraline. But, <laughs> spirulina, but uh, that's oh yeah. You ever had spirulina? Delicious. It's good, right? It's a bacteria, right? <laughs> it's like an algae or something. Oh, it's an algae. Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Somewhat blue and somewhat green. Yeah, okay, I can remember spirulina. Now they're they're cuties. I had forgotten. Um, you ever called, want your food to taste like a foot? <laughs> this is called old gray thing. Ugh. This post is inspired by um, someone who said, okay, let me just do this. So, uh, someone said, user Crazy Turtle Mama who posted about a childhood encounter with a similar entity. Okay. I haven't thought about this for a long time, but wanted to post my experience to see if anyone else has seen one of these things too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm doxing myself? <laughs> yeah, so, don't read my notes, show. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're right there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to skip that because she just gives information about kind of where she lived and stuff. So <laughs> I'm doxing myself if anyone I know reads this, but oh well. I lost my home and job in Hurricane Katrina in 2005. I returned to New Orleans a month later to salvage my positions and found a job doing disaster relief for FEMA. Since 80% of the city's housing was destroyed, it was nearly impossible to find a safe, clean, and affordable place to live. After sleeping in my car and on friends' couches for several weeks, I found a furnished studio apartment in the French Quarter at a surprisingly low price. Mm. It was filthy, infested with roaches, and had creepy art all over the walls. It does not sound so surprisingly priced anymore. Yeah, but it was my only uh, housing option, so I rolled up my sleeves, enthusiastically cleaned, and repainted and moved in. Everything was fine until around Thanksgiving. Oh, it tied it again. Nailed it. No, this is perfect. <laughs> when someone delivered flowers to the apartment. The card read, Dear Man's Name, Rest in Peace, Love Your Family. It's a weird card. Yeah. <laughs> they forgot to fill it out fully when they got it, when they ordered it from the Dear uh, forest. Here. <laughs> I figured someone had delivered them to the wrong address, but they looked pretty, so I took them inside and put them in a vase. I later told one of my neighbors about the odd delivery, and he went pale and said, Oh no, you weren't supposed to take those inside. He then informed me that a very depressed, alcoholic young man had lived there a year ago and hanged himself one night in the apartment. Mm-hmm. The ceiling didn't have enough drop room to break his neck, so he slowly strangled. The neighbors heard him choking and kicking the wall 
in agony and eventually broke down the door and called 911, but it was oh, too late. No. Oh, His windpipe God. was crushed and he died in the apartment. After that, the new tenants had all complained of paranormal activity and no one stayed uh, more than a month or two. Mm-hmm. They all broke the lease and left abruptly, usually leaving all their possessions behind, which is why he got it cheap and furnished. Mm-hmm. His parents believed his spirit was still there and regularly delivered flowers or gifts to the home. But the worst, uh, uh, excuse me, but the neighbors had agreed never to take them inside because it seemed to make the activity worse. Well, it would have been nice to get that memo, but okay. <laughs> After that, I also began to experience paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. I woke up hearing a loud rhythmic thumping noise in the walls at the same time every night, right where he hanged himself. Mm, um, in both cases, they, they actually said hung, but I wanted to, I corrected that because actually he passed tense. It's funny that you would mention that because it is such a regularly misused phrase or misphrased term yeah whatever you can hang I someone almost, up on a wall or something but if it's if there's a noose kind of situation involved it's a, it's a hanging it's always hanging the past tense and past participle are both hanged. hanged yes yes and i almost as a joke corrected you to say hung <laughs> uh, but yeah. carry on so yeah. funny that it actually was legitimately they had it requiring as correction yes, yes. um all flowers and plants withered and died within a few hours of bringing them inside the apartment Objects would move on their own, and anything I hung on the walls would unscrew itself and crash to the floor. Hanging on the walls. <laughs> uh, some nights, the beaded curtain between the kitchenette and the main room would move on its own, mm. like someone was walking away. Mm-hmm. It was creepy, but I decided to in, uh, endure it since I had nowhere else to live. <laughs> uh, I'm super duperstitious, and I, no, I'm superstitious, <gasps> but I'm also a pragmatist. And I felt so, um, sorry for the young man who died a horrible, lonely death, and whose spirit was now trapped within the walls. Mm. I would often speak out loud to him, read the notes his family sent to the house, and basically try to befriend him. The neighbors told me he probably enjoyed having a friendly young woman his own age around. Hmm. I even created a small altar for him with objects I thought would bring him comfort. Hmm. This all turned out to be a big mistake. Oh, no. The bizarre activity continued to escalate over months, and I became more and more depressed. It wasn't just the apartment. I was working long hours. The city was beyond fucked up. My disaster relief job was traumatic. Everything culminated in a visit from an old friend, a self-described skeptic and atheist, in the spring of 2006. After one night in my apartment, he moved into a hotel and said, you shouldn't stay in that place anymore. There's something bad there. Yikes. A few days later, I was assigned to a nursing home to help the residents process their disaster relief applications. An elderly lady I was working with suddenly stopped and said, God is giving me a word for you, young lady. You're in danger right now. You stay where you are any longer, you'll die. Oh, man. At that point, I was thoroughly freaked out. I called my landlord and told her I appreciated the cheap place, but I had to move out. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm not surprised. I arranged to move in with a friend until <laughs> I could find a new place. So simple. She's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I figured you would eventually. I'm kind of surprised yeah. you didn't do it sooner. Just now? Once I began packing out, the paranormal activity escalated violently. Oh, Something no. got louder to the point where I couldn't sleep. I also began to experience sleep paralysis. One night, I woke up around the same time the thumping, thumping usually started, but the room was dead quiet. Thumping. Thumping. <laughs> The thumping is yes. happening. <laughs> uh, but the room was dead quiet. The beaded curtain started moving again, but this time something came through. It was vaguely human-shaped, but it wasn't human. Its body was gray and faded out like television static or smoke. It had no hands, feet, or face. It moved in an unsettling way, <laughs> shuffling it and... It wasn't s- there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it moved in an unsettling way, shuffling and stooped and jerky, like something Ooh. very old struggling to walk. I laid there frozen in fear as it moved slowly across the room, eventually standing by the bed behind my head and leaned over until it loomed inches from my face. Oh, no. It let out a strange, high-pitched screech and then whispered something softly. I can't remember what it (laughs) said. Something mildly comforting like, don't worry, baby. 
But as it breathed into my ear, a wave of cold, dark, clammy dread washed over my body. It was the worst sensation I've ever felt in my life. Mm. All I can describe it is as the feeling of suicide, of dying alone in darkness and terror with no comfort. Then it Mm. faded into the wall and disappeared. I jumped out of Mm. bed, turned all the lights on, and spent the rest of the night frantically packing and throwing things into my car. Mm -hmm. I was out by morning and slept at my friend's house that night. Early the next morning, I woke up on her couch with sleep paralysis. There was a doorway in her wall that shouldn't be there. It turned out there oh, had no. once been a physical doorway there, but had been plastered over into the wall. Is it the friend's house? At the friend's house. There. So oh, when she woke up in this kind of sleep process state, there was a door that hadn't been there before, and she later mm. found out that there actually used to be a door there. Mm. The old gray thing came through again. It oh, leaned, no. It leaned over me again until it was lying completely on top of me, whispering gentle nonsense in my ear, infecting <laughs> my entire body with foul, creeping dread. <laughs> Then it left. Banana sandwich. <laughs> Climb up over the tree and make the applesauce. <laughs> Just <laughs> racked with fear. <laughs> my, my friend woke up shortly afterward and said she'd had horrible nightmares all night. I threw away every object I owned associated with the apartment and called my mother, uh, a deeply religious woman. Quote, I think a ghost followed me um, from my old place, I said. I don't know I said, quote, and quote... <laughs> And told her everything that had happened. She was alarmed. That's not a human spirit, she said. That's something else, pretending to be one. She sent me to her priest for a blessing. I saw it a few times after that, but it eventually faded away. It seemed to lose power over me the longer I stayed outside the haunted apartment. Years passed, and eventually I never saw it again. I still own one object from that apartment, though, an artwork that was hanging there where I moved, uh, when I moved in that I haven't been able to part with. It reminds me of that scary time, of everything I went through and survived. It's an abstract print of a light-colored piece of textile twisting across a black background. It's vaguely human-shaped, but it isn't human. So there is the piece of artwork she oh. was talking about. Ooh. Hmm. So kind of reminiscent of the image she was talking about, which is, which is kind oh, of interesting. Big. I wonder which came first. Exactly. So it's cool. Cause it's, it's, a, it's an interesting story that is kind of... It ends in a way that almost sounds more like a kind of just-so short story sort of situation where... It's like, oh, yes. here's a thing that I saw that looked like the thing I was describing. So it could be that it was entirely a work of fiction, or it could be that she even was aware of, like, hey, here's a thing that kind of was like the thing I... She did, <laughs> she, she copped to it. Here's a thing that I think. And <laughs> here's a thing that looks like the thing I described in my kind of weird nightmare. Right. I realized that they look the same, and I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. She did cop to it being sleep paralysis, so that's already... Instead of just like, oh, I woke up and I couldn't move, and this thing was there. I was like, oh, I was having sleep paralysis. I feel like if it was whispering anything to me, and I had a memory that that was occurring, I would not forget that shit. No, I'd be like, it told me this, it told me that, it was the craziest shit ever. Even if it was absolutely absurd stuff, I feel like I would write that down immediately or something. Conversely, it could be that they uh, that it whispered lyrics to the perfect song, and then woke up and it turned out to be just total nonsense. Like, I'd ma clack shah, supovendelba. Anyway, I won't, I won't sing the whole song. Bill Callahan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which the shame is I that I already that. have a song picked out for the end of this episode, but now I have a different one I want to put in. Oh well. <laughs> Anyway, so that is that is my story for this Thanksgiving episode. Truly, truly creepy. Um, yeah, I would <laughs> and not almost do- Thanksgiving themed. <laughs> yes, I guess I want to give thanks for not having been in that room. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly Thanksgiving adjacent. 
and in fact, perhaps the most Thanksgiving <laughs> story I've ever heard. Probably. <laughs> so at this huh. point, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably, uh, I don't know, eating stuff. If you're listening to the day this comes out. Jake, wouldn't it be crazy if we were in the future? <laughs> Nothing makes me hungrier than being in the future, traveling back in time to fill out a segment. Yeah. Wouldn't it be weird if we had to do that because some weird thing happened at the audio and we recorded this almost a month after the fact? That would be weird. A whole month, you say? That's crazy. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe not quite a month. At least three weeks. Crazy enough to start talking about eating food, I guess? Yeah, let's just jump into us talking about like what kind of food would we be eating right now? Like some Thanksgiving stuff? I don't know. Yeah, that sounds perfect, actually. Let's just do that. Forever after this, they will be... We'll be eating allow Thanksgiving you, dinner. Allow me. Allow you. Allow you to preempt me <laughs> cool. eating. I'm <laughs> now going to do exactly what I am probably doing right now, which is this. Mm. Well, that's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that thing where you tap your stuff rhythmically to indicate your enjoyment of the food. Yes. That was a fork and knife cutting. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. Of course. And, uh, ooh, yeah. Could you pass that? <laughs> no, not that one. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Before we uh, do any more of whatever <laughs> that is, do you think we should perhaps uh, thank a few folks? Let's boot it up. From we can actually use the one device this time, too. Yeah, we don't have to do the, the, the cloned one <laughs> right. in Minnesota. We have the one right here. Right. So um, this is the NCAA device, first used in episode, I want to say, 60. Uh, whatever yeah, the, something around there, March, uh, the mountains of March Madness, uh-huh. and we have added a function to this um, cursed relict technology that allows us to calculate the creatures, the cryptids that our Patreon patrons need to each personally avoid, yes, or befriend, yeah, um, <laughs> just yes. be generally on the lookout for. I guess, this, of course, is the Patreon appreciation for neural dive, no, no, or something. <laughs> no, Patreon appreciation, Patreon appreciation, neural dive for evaluation That's of risk. The one. Yes, the pander function, the uh, label scratched off on my. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess uh, since you read first, I'll go first. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, so let's fire it up. Yep. Ooh, yeah. Good to, good to be experiencing it together again. Yes, the warm radioactive glow uh-huh. pouring off. So we'll take these tendrils that come out of it and plug them into our brains. They really are more of tendrils than wires now as well. Yeah, I remember that seeming more like a USB kind of thing, but it definitely isn't. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of throbbing that's happening. It's true. We'll plug them in here. Ooh, yeah. Yep. Sort of much like people from the movie The Matrix. <laughs> the more times I do this, the more comfortable it feels, I guess. <laughs> Um, all right, I'll just go ahead and uh, activate the program. Yes. Uh, Pete from Durham, New Hampshire. Mm. Be on the lookout for the Rune and Shah. <laughs> Sound weird? <laughs> Not to me. <laughs> I'm actually, hilariously enough, super familiar with this ugly, vicious mer person reported in the Caspian <laughs> Sea, obviously. Um,. And, of course, following the tradition of naming cryptids after their home, and really, I mean, I could have told you this, it is otherwise known as Casper. Oh. So if you're near the water, this is pretty much a gimme, but look out for anything with black or green hair that looks like seaweed and has webbed feet and hands. (laughs) You probably already heard it in the name, but the Casper 
is very fat and has an enormous mouth. <laughs> it is described as having a white color on its scaly skin, and as nicely written by the NCAA pander setting, Runan Shah's behavior includes swimming with schools of fish, making deep throaty screams like a seal's, and is amphibious. Well, that is a very fun sounding creature. <laughs> so, yes, Pete, next time you're in the Caspian Sea, keep an eye on the side for Casper the Friendly Mer Mattress, and thank you for your support. <laughs> we really appreciate it. <laughs> and thank you for contributing half of your DNA to create uh, the art designer for our show, all of our um, oh, branding. I did not realize. Very, very kind of you to do that. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes. Now let me focus in to see who I will be calculating for. Let's see here. Katie Umker, friend of the show and artist who contributed a bunch of awesome oh, merch designs to snap. our shop. Katie. So the other uh, portion of our cool art stuff that we sell, com slash shop. Katie, beware the Marcupo. Mm. Sounds like a politician. <laughs> it kind of does. Uh, a Marcupo or Makupo is a giant serpent in Philippine mythology. Hmm. Characteristics include a prominent red crest on its head, a long tongue with thorn-like hairs, sharp tusks, and a forked tail. Hmm. They said that Marcupos can spit venom much like a cobra. Uh, moreover, the Marcupo is also known to sing sonorously during quiet days. Wow. Uh, it's unclear whether they are opera singers or whether they specifically sing anything about chopping wood to light the fire, but you know, either way... Maybe be suspicious of loud singing in the woods in the Philippines. Uh, it's the main habitat for the Marcupo is uh, in heavily forested mountains. So if you are in the mountains of the Philippines, watch out if you hear some singing. Uh, <laughs> it might be hard to spot one of these things or to know for sure what it is when you see it. But just be suspicious of any snakes that are 45 feet long and weigh 2,500 pounds. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Check out Katie's stuff at after underscore artist underscore on Instagram or um, uh, after hyphen comic dot com. And uh, interstate, nin- interstate ninja.com slash ninjas hyphen and hyphen robots. We'll have a link as well. Yeah, all those things. And uh, yeah, buy some shit off our shop. And Katie, thanks for supporting the show. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I dare say, Let switch us, this thing off. First and foremost, yeah, pull no. these things out. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. There we go. Yes. And uh, let's uh, encourage all of our listeners who like the show to maybe uh, consider also becoming patrons of ours yes please do become a patron um even a dollar a month will get you uh entered into the system for a pandering and uh your support goes a really long way jake and i don't obviously get to record in person like this anymore on the regular (laughs) um but thanks to patreon support we were able to secure our recording device in duplicate so we can now both um track our audio thing from a million miles away at least (laughs) um and uh, yeah we just really uh, appreciate the support it helps the show grow which it is growing quite quickly now which is awesome and uh yeah really cool stuff available to you including um yeah access to bonus materials like curated outtakes which you've heard previews on on the main feed by now. If you like that, there's more of that available to there's you beyond the paywall. Minisodes, minisodes release, and uh, at certain levels, yes, discounts, discounts on merch, and also Future the uh, super duper stitches. What is it? The, uh, you can become a glug suck and receive stickers and part of our uh, our sticker club thing, where every quarter a new sticker design is released that is not available to anyone outside of that tier. 
So consider becoming a patron today at patreon.com slash super duperstitious. And we'll appreciate it forever and ever. Indeed. Thank you all. Thanks. Okay. That now complete, let us move on to some more Thanksgiving tales. Yes, indeed. So. Finding. I will kick off my segment today with a Reddit post by user Granddaddy Spooky Bones. <laughs> that is fantastic. Who asks, is the rapture real? Oh. What is your thoughts? What are some passages? <laughs> if this were true, what happens to Christians in the tribulation? Well, Granddaddy Spooky Bones, <laughs> let's get right into it. First off, I'd like to thank... We're going to oh, answer go religion in this episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'd like to thank fellow becologist Jess for making this great suggestion. Uh, she was recently targeted by an internet ad algorithm suggesting that she buy herself a book by esteemed entrepreneur and publisher Marsha Coonley, but more on that later. Okay. <laughs> What better thing to cover on this day of thanks with family and friends hopefully nearby than to contemplate God's weird and terrible love for our dying Christian souls? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's right. I'm getting into the rapture, what it is, why people believe it, and what we can do to ensure our safety in the face of this inevitable and, I'm sorry to say it, Jake, but for us and for most of our listeners, horribly unfortunate period in our collective future. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to go well. Uh, yeah, Jake, what do you think the rapture is, just to get us going here? Just um, off the cuff. You don't have to even be right or wrong. The world is over. People go poof if they're good. Pretty much. Clothes fall down. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I could have put it better myself, but <laughs> no, exactly. Um, if you somehow don't know, the rapture is a death slash judgment of the soul concept, a realm professionally referred to as scatological, uh, not what? to be confused with scatological oh what, was, a, what is it actually eschatological oh that's a very important extra, extra syllable yes ask your parents if you don't understand why <laughs> held by certain christians particularly within branches of american evangelical evangelicalism mm -hmm. i'm having a weird mouth day consisting of an end time event when all christian believers who are alive along with resurrected dead believers quite literally all of them oh will rise, quote, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, unquote. So those who were not such good boys or girls who never really got so down with the big JC, and you can enter in a little sound by right here that goes like, yeah, you know me, <laughs> um, get left behind on earth to kind of scramble for the last of the not off date milk and bread and uh, <laughs> think about how bad they are. <laughs> during a period called the tribulation because unfortunately all of the cows and wheat will also be going to heaven so you can't make new milk or bread <laughs> nope. so despite what i'm guessing is a pretty high public profile this whole rapture concept grew out of the translations of the bible that john nelson darby analyzed back in 1833 hmm it was then promoted by what they describe as the cult followers of Darbyism. Huh, I had not heard of this before. Neither had I. So to understand Darbyism, we need to understand what's called dispensationalism, which is a created word, term, that refers to, without getting too far into the weeds of it, essentially um, an interpretation of the Bible that considers biblical history as divided by the big man upstairs into dispensations or periods or ages that have been assigned distinct administrative principles. Hmm. In other words, God has a plan and plans only really work if you establish some kind of order of operations. Okay. And so over the grand 
period of existence, you know, there are different dispensations of, okay, now we're in this stage of this grand plan. Mm -hmm. So it turns out, for all we hear in the states, at least, of the rapture, Darbyism has been deemed heretical by most mainstream Christians. So, you know, good on you guys. As such, while there apparently is some agreement that worthy and loyal souls will gather with the Jesus at some <laughs> tumultuous point, there no are one fucks with the Jesus. That's right. <laughs> there are mercifully, uh, Big Lebowski, few denominations that actually believe the religious elect will be magicked away, leaving an unwashed group of savage, hungover, and strung out heathens on earth to suffer. <laughs> so basically, in the Christian community, most people agree that. You know, it's fine to believe that all souls will eventually high five in heaven <laughs> as long as they do right by JC on Earth. But very, very few actually believe that we will be literally slurped away <laughs> by a holy laser beam. So among those perhaps extremely savvy and forward thinking few smart enough to understand that the rapture is real and is needing to be addressed ahead of time, <laughs> there is a surprising amount of debate about when it's actually going to happen. Ah. Before we get into that though, let's be sure we're clear on the tenets, the rapture for dummies, if you will. Ah. Those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who are dead. So basically dead folks for First. Okay. The dead in Christ will resurrect first, just in case you missed the first line. <laughs> the living and the resurrected dead will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So pretty much the same thing we've just heard. <laughs> and the rapture will occur during the parousia. Oh. Quote, those who are alive and remain unto the coming parousia in Greek of the Lord shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We basically just heard that. And finally... <laughs> The meeting with the Lord will be permanent. In the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. So there you go. So you meet with the Lord and then you just are permanently around. <laughs> you have to can imagine. I go? Like, no, no, we're just together now. I, like, oh, can, I gotta go over here. No, 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 no. We're just yeah, right I, here. <laughs> I, From further readings, essentially you can imagine after your soul is blasted straight up into heaven, you are extending your hand out for a handshake and anticipating finally getting to meet the Lord. It, you are, of course, in the air at this point. And that goes on for literally the rest of all of eternity. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so, right. I think of a Paul Simon song from 2008 that's pretty good. Maybe I'll put it at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. P.S. I'm on. Um, so, as <laughs> I mentioned, there's a ton of debate about the timing of these things. Specifically, timeline snarl over the rapture moment itself so when all souls go to heaven or don't the onset of the seven-year period of tribulation said to follow immediately after the rapture usually um so this is when all his ding-dongs have to rely on rudimentary barter systems while scavenging the leavings of literally everyone who did right by god <laughs> the second coming of jesus christ so he's supposed to come back after everyone got spanked for seven years and mm -hmm. then the millennium not to be confused with the willennium um, this is instead a period of a thousand years of the Christ man having a golden age of rule on earth oh. and then finally the last judgment where God goes Meh. so this is a thousand years for people to be like alright let's get on board with this Jesus thing before anything else he's happens. like you have one last humongous chance <laughs> to figure your shit out um <laughs> 
so there's astoundingly seven distinct suggested timelines depending on your religious outlook if you subscribe wow. to this stuff but these break down into essentially premillennialist and non-premillennialist views or non-millennialists, essentially. Hmm. So these are pretty much what they sound like. Premillennialists often describe the rapture as Jesus coming for the church and the second coming, the church being collectively everyone who is mm-hmm. subscribed to this system and doing right by it, as it were. And the second coming is Jesus coming with the church, if you uh, know what I'm saying. Mutual masturbation? Non-premillennialists are either somehow crazier or so right, it actually hurts. <laughs> so I personally know it's the latter. As just one example, amillennialists view the millennial rule of Christ as the current but indefinite period that began with the foundation of the church and that will end with the second coming. Mm. So unlike premillennialists who predict the millennium as a literal thousand-year reign by Christ after his return, amillennialists emphasize the continuity and permanency of his reign throughout all periods of the new covenant past present and future so basically we've been there we're already there we're gonna be there until he comes back and then Mm. shit goes gets real so rapture is real right obviously uh people certainly think it is um, and have tried and failed to predict the exact moment (laughs) for decades and let me tell you they've thrown out some great dates mm-hmm. 1844 cool. 1914 <laughs> 1918 my personal favorite 1925 1981 <laughs> and of course 1988 <laughs> i don't need to tell you guys this most recently christian numerologist david mead offered uh september 23rd 2017 ah. with some help from I don't know. We'll find out pretty soon, right? (laughs) So it seems thus far that the main invariable element in all this is that the rapture is not happening yet. (laughs) So why do people still believe it? Well, Hmm. as written in Pacific Standard Magazine, Christians are so obsessed with the end of the world, mostly for the same reasons Christians are obsessed with anything. It's in the Bible. The Old Testament is full of terrifying cryptic prophecies about the end times, such as, quote, the two kings, their minds bent on evil, shall sit at one table and exchange lies. Exchange contact information. (laughs) (laughs) And, but it shall not succeed, for there remains an end at the time appointed. Then in the New Testament, Jesus tells his disciples that, quote, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It's pretty gross. (laughs) The second coming of Christ involves its own vocabulary. Words like post-millennialism and pre-tribulation get tossed around in end-times crowds like confetti at a parade. Getting a little purple here, uh... I feel like post-millennialism is just when people start getting mad at Gen Z instead of us. Yeah, post-millennialism is the okay boomer (laughs) period. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, for anyone looking for an in-group who isn't especially critical or skeptical about the whole Christian dogma, this kind of stuff can be extremely tantalizing. Mm -hmm. Some Christian denominations are more likely than others to be interested in eschatology. Uh, Southern Baptists, Episcopalians, 
and evangelicals in general. Mm-hmm. It's inherently creepy stuff, the idea that the world will end, not because the sun has burnt out or a comet has destroyed the earth, but because an omnipotent being wills its destruction. Apparently, this kind of thing is very much on the collective American mind as well. As of 2010, so almost 10 years ago now, Mm -hmm. Pew reported that 41% of Americans believe Jesus will, quote, probably or, quote, definitely return to earth by 2050. Wow. It's very soon. <laughs> like, yeah, probably. I mean, it seems like something the kind of thing you'd probably do. So basically, death and the thought of oblivion scares most people, and it's that much easier to confront if you have a story to wrap around it. Yes. Not a huge surprise. Particularly, and the idea, yeah. oh, if we're, it's like, I'm not just going to, like, my life isn't going to be over. Everyone's going to go together, and then it's going to be this huge thing, and we're all going to meet again. It, it There's a lot of reason behind that that makes sense. And it gives you like an operational unit where, hey... If I do right by this set of rules, I can ensure that I'll be okay, with, even if I die before it happens. Yeah. In fact, I'll get first in line because I died. Um, so, you know, basically religion. <laughs> um, but yeah, because the rapture is, I think we can all agree at this point, real. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a great gift to the public that we can return our attention to the esteemed entrepreneur slash publisher, Marsha Coonley. <laughs> As detailed by her bio on Goodreads.com, Coonley is an American author of Christian nonfiction books. Oh. She has a passion for Bible prophecy, finance, and economics. She received her (laughs) MBA in finance and a BA in economics from the University of New Mexico. Prior to becoming an author, she enjoyed a career at Intel Corporation. Seems like a pretty logical through line there. Yes. But let's just take a look at one of her books. Yes, please. How about... This one? New release. Rapture 9-11. Oh, my God. What to do if you're left behind? Are you afraid of the end of the world? Discover how you can enjoy... Or is it 9-1-1? How you can enjoy... Sorry, Rapture 9-1-1. How you can join... Yeah, 9-1-1, 9-11. I assumed that she was going a different direction with it. It's not a Uh, bad assumption to make. uh, Discover how you can join millions who will be saved and how to help those left behind. What do we have on the cover here, Jake? That's the reason I thought I read it the way I did the first time. Um... It's like a very kind of smoky, fiery, but also lightning-y. There's a guy just like walking along in blue jeans. And, it's got a nice uh, butt. Yeah. Well, carrying a pretty large Bible under uh, under one hand, and all kinds of lightning is wrapping around his arm and going there's into the Bible. There's a shitload of lightning coming out of this Bible. Yeah. Whoa, there's reviews. Oh, boy. I did not notice this oh, before. Oh, they're all five stars. Wow. Lots of five-star reviews. Let's Oak, pick. Sean and James, Amber Chandler. Um... Cheryl, S-H-E-R-Y-L-E, wrote recently, very well researched and written. Marsha has done an excellent job of detailing what scripture tells about the end times. An interesting explanation of a very controversial topic. That's there's, there's, all it was. It says more, but there's nothing more. more. <laughs> Probably one final indentation. Uh, Mark, let's go to the very bottom one. Yeah. I'm flabbergasted to say the least. Oh, I'm flabbergasted to say the least. I was expecting a sure. Sh- oh my god, I can't read anymore. I'm flabbergasted to say the least. I was expecting a sort of lecture, and instead I got a wonderful view of scripture that I could understand. I also loved the format that Marsha Coonley used to help us ascertain the content and meaning of what was written. Questions about the rapture and what about those left behind are answered, along with scripture quotations to back up what she has written. This is a well-thought-out book that entailed lots of research, thought, time, and And a little bit of the P word. (laughs) 
So, right. That's all on Halloween? All of those reviews were from Halloween? Mm-hmm. No coincidence. And she wrote two others that are both free. All Rapture 911. Lots of Rapture 911. Feeling like this is more of the missing 411. Or Reno 911. <laughs> yes, exactly. And yes, in addition to her publication of books about Bibles with lightning shooting out of them all over the place, Marsha's mission is to prepare us all for the impending events through the creation of what looks like about a two to three inch hard shell binder of materials <laughs> entitled Vanished? Millions of People Disappeared? information for those left behind which she says she created for quote the person who comes to my house looking for me after the rapture unquote <laughs> on marsh's behalf i want to promote this message and read her recipe for the perfect post-rapture survival binder <laughs> by providing a heavily abridged inventory of what her binder includes <laughs> which is a bible a copy of the cd of rapture info a variety of gospel tracts several thumb drives that contain bible teachings from oh sorry bible teachings a thumb drive of christian music a dvd of the jesus Just film creed uh <laughs> pod um a dvd of the jesus film a cd of the jesus film audio version a thumb drive another one of a bunch of articles from raptureready.com she says to I feel like your, you can fit all that stuff on one thumb drive. <laughs> I tell you. And you really got to hope that computers are still going to have USB ports during the tribulation period. Yes. And then she also prints out articles and says, once you have it all together, write on the outside of the binder a bold and catchy title like, did millions of people disappear? <laughs> I might know something about that. Look, uh, it's like, you got to make a clickbait title for your binder, I guess, is what they're saying. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> They'll never believe. Did everyone you know disappear? You'll never believe what happens next. Five great solutions to prevent everyone you knowing from disappearing that, that they don't you. want you to know about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, doctors hate this. Yeah, doctors hate the solution <laughs> to your immortal soul being punished on Earth. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> so that is our take on Thanksgiving oh, this year. Yeah, family adjacent stuff, or just in my case, things that happen to include the word Thanksgiving in them at one point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, wherever you are in the world, we hope you enjoy your. I think it's the last Thursday of November, and uh, the we'll, final choice day. We'll catch you in December. Yes, indeed. And until then. I've been Jake and forgot to say so before. And I've been Wyatt, and uh, we hope you had fun. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. After I died and the makeup had dried, I went back to my place. No moon that night, but a heavenly light shone on my face. Still, I thought it was odd. There was no sign of God just to usher me in. Then a voice from above, sugar-coated with love, said, let us begin. You got to fill out a form first, and then you wait in the line. You got to fill out a form first.